You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is J.L. Collins, and you're listening to the Earn and Invest Podcast. The path is simple. At least that's what J.L. Collins tells us. Make money, spend carefully, invest what is left over in low-cost index funds, and let time do its magic. Simple. And yet complex, my path as a physician and a high wage earner is far different than that of an entrepreneur, a school teacher, or one who lives in a country where another language is spoken and access to broad-based index funds is much more restricted. The path is straight, but yet there are many twists and turns leading up to it, many possible turnoffs and roundabouts, all sorts of ways to get lost and yet find yourself again. There are many ways indeed to become a pathfinder. Today, we discuss some of their stories. Jail Collins is not only one of the most read voices about financial independence, but also a loving father and husband. He's the author of the well-beloved Simple Path to Wealth and blogger behind jailcollinsnh.com. His book, Pathfinders, Extraordinary Stories of People Like You on the Quest for Financial Independence and How to Join Them, drops on October 31st. JL, my friend, welcome back to Earn and Invest. While amassing the stories that would become Pathfinders, did anyone specifically remind you of yourself? First of all, uh, Doc, thanks for having me back. It's always a, a pleasure hanging out with you. And that was a great introduction as to uh, what the simple path that I originally wrote for my daughter has evolved into is people from all different walks of life, all different stages of life, all different locations around the globe adapt the principles to their to their own unique situations. So did any of them, any of the stories remind me of my own journey? And I would say not in particular, in a, I can't think of one off the top of my head that, that does in particular. On the other hand, um, my journey, because I, of course, didn't have the simple path to wealth when I was when I was beginning, uh, my journey was marked by wandering in the wilderness and sort of figuring it out step by step. And I think there's a lot of that thread through many of these stories of people who who've wandered in the wilderness themselves and have found the path and maybe even wandered off the path and had to come back onto it again and and that kind of thing. So in that sense, the answer to your question is no, but the other answer is yes in many. It's interesting because as you read these stories, you realize how varied the path is 
for just about each person, and yet the principles are always the same. Did that surprise you upon collating all these stories that people really came at it from such different directions? You know, really, it doesn't surprise me today, but as these stories first started rolling in after 2016, when I published The Simple Path to Wealth, it was very surprising to me. And because I had written a book for my daughter, and I didn't think about this as I was writing it, incidentally, but because it was for my daughter, it had certain characteristics. It was written for somebody who was at the beginning of her journey. She was in college at the time I was writing it. So she didn't have any any lifestyle situations on wine. She didn't have any bad bad uh, debt or bad habits to unwind. She was at the beginning. She's also an American. So this is a very U.S.-centric book in terms of the specifics on 401ks and, and that sort of thing. And I didn't realize that, I don't think at the time I, I was writing it. So as the stories began to roll in from people who, of course, almost by definition, were not in exactly that same situation, and yet who had found the book so useful and were so successful in adapting it, that was fascinating to me. And 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 I loved hearing those things. And and so that was the reason this book exists, exists today, is it's something that I've wanted to do for years, is to share these stories, because I think it's a, it's a remarkable testimony to to people's resourcefulness if if you just implant a few basic principles and give them the idea. JL, you've been associated with the FIRE movement, financial independence retire early, yet I've heard you say many times, and we've talked about this idea that really the RE, the retire early, never spoke to you specifically, but the financial independence always did. Listening to a number of these stories, retirement or leaving their jobs was part of the goal. Tell me about your internal drive towards financial independence. Take us back in your story. What drove you to get to this place if it wasn't kind of leaving work or kind of the freedom associated with not having to be an employee? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is I've often wondered if I had had the concept of retire early when I was working because I didn't, I mean, this, none of this stuff, because I didn't come across the idea of, of fire of financial independence, retire early until after I started my own blog in 2011. So sometimes I wonder if I'd had that concept, if, if I would have thought about it differently, if maybe I would have retired early, but, you know, I've shared the story with you that I achieved financial independence without realizing that I had done it. And once that dawned on me. I, I didn't really realize the significance of of the fact that I, I now had money that was providing enough money that I didn't really have to work again. But anyway, to answer your the second part of your question, <clears throat> when I was young, my dad was a pretty successful manufacturer's rep, but he was also a cigarette smoker. And cigarette smoking insidiously not only kills you eventually, but it it kills you slowly. And it debilitates you along the way. And so as the years rolled on, my dad, who was self-employed, became less and less able to work. And that meant the family income became smaller and smaller. And we went from being very comfortable to very uncomfortable. And I think that certainly made an impression on me. And at a deep-seated level that at the time I wouldn't have been able to articulate, I knew that I never wanted 
to have to depend solely on my ability to trade my labor for money. I wanted to have money that would take care of me when I when I was unable or unwilling or simply didn't want to trade my labor for money anymore. So that was kind of the beginning of it. And that's why my savings rate was always very high from the from the get-go. As you said, there was no such thing as the FIRE financial independence movement when you started doing all these things. Tell us the story of how you realized you were financially independent. If I'm remembering correctly, you were in between jobs. Yeah. So while I never had the idea of retiring early, I always liked the idea of stepping away from jobs because I liked I liked working. I just didn't like having to do it all the time. And I'm a bit of a, a workaholic when I'm working and I don't, you know, that's not, you know, what do they call subtle bragging or whatever it is. It's just kind of the way it is. I mean, I throw myself into it very intensely but the downside of that is you burn out. And so it's not necessarily a good way to be. It's a particularly not a good way to be if you intend to work 40 years with a given company. So I found that I had to be able to step away periodically for sometimes months, sometimes years at a time just to recharge my batteries. And fortunately, early on, I'd adopted this savings rate and fooled around with investing that allowed me to do that. And the longest period of time that I did that was five years, which began in 1989 and ended in 1995 when I took another job. And about midway through that, I was, my wife also quit her job during that period. And that's when our daughter was born. So about midway through that, I'm doing the year-end calculations of, of our spending and net worth and what have you. And, you know, we we're living the same life we'd led when we were working, you know, which was a modest life. But I know something remarkable, and that was that at the end of the year, having paid all the bills, I actually had more money than I started with and no income, no earned income. I knew that something remarkable had happened, but I didn't have any frame of reference for it. And I, I went back to the year before and noticed, well, the same thing had happened. I just hadn't noticed it then. And the year before that, the same thing had happened. And I, I had this, this remarkable revelation, if you will. And yet, and this is a little embarrassing, I was unable to connect the dots hmm. and to realize that, oh, this means that I never have to work again. And by this time, I was sort of getting a little edgy and bored and looking forward to the next job. And because I didn't have that frame of reference. And that's what I mean when I said earlier, who knows if I'd had the frame of reference of retire early, maybe we would have sold the house, packed up and gone to Mexico as we kind of talked about when no jobs were apparently going to happen. But then of course, when one appeared, then well, of course I'm going to go back to work. So you didn't run to your wife, Jane, and say, look, Jane, look, look, we we have a money machine. We can stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I, I would have would have had no concept of saying a money machine, which is a great way to, to describe it. You know, and I don't honestly remember if I even mentioned it to her. But again, it was not; it, it wasn't a big deal. I, I, my reaction to it was, "Wow, that's kind of interesting." And then I moved on. <laughs> so let's move on to. 
Pathfinders, the book. This is a collection of stories of people who've pursued financial independence. Some have got there, some are in the process, some have just learned about it. I have to admit, from the onset, I can find one singular commonality. And the commonality is that they read The Simple Path to Wealth and believe in the process you laid out there. But enlighten me, were there other commonalities where you would say, ah, this is a pathfinder. This is someone who has followed the dictates of what this book is about. You know, I I would say the answer to that is no. I think you put your finger on the one commonality. And by definition, because I, when we were first creating this book, or beginning to create it, and I reached out, you know, I was reaching out to the readers of my blog and the people who follow me on Twitter and, and that sort of thing. So almost by definition, there were people who had read The Simple Path to Wealth. And that's what we were looking for, of course, is people who'd read that book, because we wanted to hear the stories of how they, they uh, applied the principles. But yeah, the other than that commonality, I, I think what's remarkable is the diversity. The you know the stories range from horror stories of, and of course we were looking for different things, but they range from absolute horror stories about debt to incredibly creative ways to to live your life. I mean, I'm thinking of one with a fellow who works three four months out of the year at a ski resort makes more than than he needs to live on for the entire year he saves the rest which is a simple path but then he's also got eight eight months of freedom right now while he's while he's building his ultimate financial independence so that's incredible but probably the thing that that impresses me the most because it scratches a a particular irritating itch that that I've come across being part of the financial community is there is a part of that community that says that, oh, this financial independence stuff, this fire stuff, that's that's only for for people with high paying jobs. That's only for, or of course, originally it was only for white male engineers. And I, to be clear, checked two of those boxes, but I'm not an engineer. <laughs> so. <laughs> But but that always felt wrong to me, and it felt wrong to me because the people I met in the community were far more diverse than that. The people who came to Chautauquas were far more diverse than that. And in Pathfinders, there are numerous stories of people who start from um, very poor backgrounds. You know, there's a story of a guy who was the child of migrant laborers and was a child laborer himself, you know, picking crops in in the field, who went on to to put himself through school and and become a millionaire. You know, there are stories of people who grew up without flush toilets. And so I love those stories because it it proves the falsehood of people who say it can't be done, because it can be done. And to most people listening, it is probably being done by somebody whose challenges to begin with are, are worse than yours. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's going to do it. Not everybody's going to choose this path. And I'm okay with that. I'm keenly aware of the fact that most people are not going to choose this path. But my goal is to make people aware that it exists and that it is possible and it could be a choice for them. Because what's tragic to me is people who 
wind up living a life without the freedom that financial independence provides because they didn't realize it was even possible. If I can show you that it's possible, if if the people who share their stories in this book can show you it's possible, and for whatever reason you choose not to do it, then I respect that. But at least you know it was an option. The stories in the book are striking, partially because not only do people tell us about their triumphs, but there's quite a bit about failures and missteps. Did that surprise you as these stories were coming in and you were reading them? You know, I, it it sort of did and it sort of didn't. I mean, I, you know, my my own journey, because I, I started early and I had a consistently high savings rate. So my missteps were early because it took me a while to figure out indexing and 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 how powerful that investing path is. So I was trying a lot of different investing things, and some of which worked and some of which set me back pretty severely. But the kinds of things you're talking about are more negative life events intruding. And and you're right, it's a, you know, it's a path. And it's a winding path that, that you know, sometimes takes you through deep woods and swamps and sometimes there there are monsters on the on the side of the path trying to pull you off and that's what's remarkable about it because in spite of all those obstacles which of course people who claim that it can't be done throw up as the reasons it can't be done people who are on the path and have the vision and have the the tools the basic principles overcome those things and they keep moving forward it it really Begs the question, what separates people who are on the path from not on the path? And as I was saying, you know, these stories are very varied, right? So it's hard actually to find commonalities because people have taken so many different ways. Is there a secret sauce? Is there something you're like, okay, generally when I get these stories, these people all have this characteristic or made this specific decision that, that maybe drew them to the path as opposed to all those people who say, look, it's impossible and I just, I can't do it. The basic principles are to spend less than you earn, invest the difference and avoid debt, right? So if you do those three things, you will wind up wealthy. This this path will work for you. So why don't more people do it? I, you know, I think I I think there are a couple of things at play. I think some people are just better able to envision their future self than other people are. Some people only see their current self, and it's hard to envision the better. Because this is, you know, you're really doing this for your future self. You're setting part of your income aside that you can't spend on you today to make life much better for you tomorrow. And some people, I think, have a trouble with that that concept. I think we live in a culture that has a constant drumbeat of you deserve a break today. You know, you need to spend this money. You need to drive this car. You need to have this fancy home. You know, you need to have this bling. And that, that overwhelming commercial message is much louder than anything I do or anything the financial independence community in as a group does. So I think there's I think there's that. So I think it it the commonality is people who value their freedom, the freedom of time, the freedom to to spend their life the way they want more than anything else. 
because of all the things you can buy with your money, for me, my freedom was always the most important. And if you're going to be financially independent, that has to be the number one thing you want to buy with your money is, is your freedom. And if it's not, if a fancy house or a fancy car or whatever else is more important, then, as I said earlier, that's okay. But that's going to get in the way of of you ever having financial independence. By the way, none of that means that you can't have a nice house and drive a decent car. But you have to free to make this happen. You have to free up the money to invest. Now, the book Pathfinders contains a hundred stories. I imagine those hundred stories were called from many more. Was there any kind of story specifically you tried to stay away from or stories you didn't choose? Can you think back of why certain stories didn't fit in? I I think there were probably cases where some stories were just more redundant with other stories that that read better, fit the bill better. Some of them were candidly not well written enough because part of the challenge is we we tried to edit these stories so we didn't lose the voice of of the person telling it, but it still has to be clear and 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 follow a narrative. And so I, I think it was it, it was largely a matter of okay, we have this many stories that came in about debt. So what are the ones that we find the the handful that we have room for? What are the what are, which ones are most compelling of these groups? So it probably more of that process. You you know you want to have a book that is has a lot of cool stuff in it. But you also, at least, I, I don't think we want to have a thousand-page tome. So you know, you have to you have to sort of draw the line somewhere. We touched on this a few moments ago, but I think it's worth coming back to you. Were you surprised by how many submissions came from outside the United States? Not really, because they came pretty much in proportion to what I've come to expect from my readership. So what do I mean by that? Well, when I go to Chautauqua. Or when I'd have Chautauqua events, we would draw people from all around the world. Most of the people, of course, came from the United States and 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 Canada. So the contribution, the contributors to the Pathfinders, kind of followed that template. And I haven't done the math, but I imagine if I if I looked at how many stories were from the U.S., how many from Canada, how many from Europe, how many from Australia, you know uh, that. I would probably see real commonality if I laid out the attendees to Chautauqua. So it's it's probably representative of the reach of the simple path to wealth around the world. That's why we don't have any stories from Antarctica. <laughs> no stories from Antarctica? Why not? Hey, hey I, 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 there, there are still parts of the world to conquer. <laughs> We are talking to J.L. Collins. He is not only one of the most read voices about financial independence, but also a loving father and husband. He is the author of The Well-Beloved Simple Path to Wealth and blogger behind jlcollinsnh.com. And we are talking the different paths to financial independence. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. 
Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position, and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R. USA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenues, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com earn. That is linkedin.com E-A-R-N for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com earn and get started. We are talking to JL Collins. His book, Pathfinders, Extraordinary Stories of People Like You on the Quest for Financial Independence and How to Join Them drops on October 31st. JL, let's talk about the book in general. How do you think readers will use Pathfinders? What role is it going to play for them? Well, so that's a that's a great question. And I, and I think there are a couple of different answers to it. Part of that is, it seems to me, is becomes a question of, well, do you need to have read The Simple Path to Wealth first? And I think a lot of readers will come to Pathfinders because they've read The Simple Path. But because it's being published by Harriman, and Harriman has a, a broad range of, of channels for distribution, we are hoping and anticipating that a lot of people will come to Pathfinders first. And as I say, actually, I make a point of saying in the book, that's fine. You can read Pathfinders and benefit from it and enjoy the stories without having read The Simple Path to Wealth. And then if having read it, The Simple Path is something that you you want to read, then by all means, you can do that. And of course, if you have read The Simple Path to Wealth and Pathfinders is a is a sequel. So that's point number one. Point number two would be that it's kind of the kind of book you can sit down and read it cover to cover if you choose. And we've organized it into nine different sections. So things like freedom, debt, savings, lifestyle, inflation, investing, having a few money, you know, these kinds of things with the stories that are applicable in those sections. So you could, you could, if, if the end game, for instance, which is the last section, if you're on the verge of reaching your own financial independence, or maybe you have, and you're curious as to how other people have handled that situation, you could go right to that section and you could read that. 
Uh, so you don't have to read them in order. And it's also the kind of book that you could just randomly open and dip into and see what stories come up. You know, the stories range from several pages in length to several paragraphs. So some are very short and some are, are a little bit longer and you can kind of come in and out as 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 you choose. When you were putting all this together, did you see it more as inspirational or tactical? I th- I saw it more as just interesting because again, I you know, this is a book that that I've wanted to put together for years now. Because when The Simple Path to Wealth first came out and I started getting feedback on it, I started hearing these kinds of stories. I actually wrote, I want to say, 13 case studies on the blog that came out of this kind of thing, looking at these unique situations and going into some depth. In fact, that was my original idea for for the book, was just drawing those case studies together and but it it became clear the more I thought about it, the more we worked on it, that having a series of a hundred stories that covered more ground and were shorter and more bite sized would would be even more enlightening. But yeah, I was just I was always fascinated by the stories myself and how people, as we talked earlier, took these concepts that were written for one person, my daughter and applied them. And uh, I thought that was, they were so diverse and so interesting to me that that I wanted to pull them together. And and hopefully, readers will find them as interesting and and engaging as as I have. You mentioned that these were the stories written for your daughter. She has gotten to see this message grow and your fame grow in a sense in proportion to it. What is her take on all these stories? So she actually was part of an interview at the end of the book, Pathfinders. What does she think of all this and all these stories now based on the series of what originally were letters that you wrote for her because she wasn't ready to hear it yet and you didn't want to lose all this knowledge? Yeah, so as you as you alluded to, part of the book, the very last part of the book is a transcript of an interview that uh, Christine Benz of Morningstar did with uh, Jessica, my daughter Jessica, and myself talking about exactly these kinds of things, talking about Jessica's perspective of having grown up with a father who talked about this stuff all the time, probably too much from her point of view, and how she slowly became comfortable with it and adapted it into her own life. She's 30 now and how she's seen her friends who didn't have access to this information when they were growing up, how different their approach to money is and how much more challenging it has been to hers. So I think she's begun to see the value. And then I think it's sort of fascinated her that that there are so many people out there who listen to her father, because, of course, what kid listens to their father, right? So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's a little gratifying for me that, hey, you know, some people think that what I have to say is worth listening to. And as I've said many times, I've only tried to persuade one person of this stuff. And that is her and, and mission accomplished. And it's 
already making a, a difference in her life. I've heard Jess say before that, you know, when she got into college and started growing up, she started recognizing people around her didn't have the financial teaching she had. So she wasn't ready for the full message, but yet she had some very distinct ideas about money and finances and would see the people around her getting into debt and making poor choices and have this epiphany. Oh, not everyone has a dad or a mom like mine who taught me these things from the beginning. You know, and that is interesting. And and it makes sense when you think about it, because you know, as you're a kid growing up and and you hear things from your parents, you sort of assume that that everybody hears this stuff. And of course, when it comes to what I talk about in the simple path to wealth, that's that's not the case. The other thing that's interesting about that to me, and my wife Jane used to tell me this because I, I when she was growing up, I was very concerned because I'd pushed it too hard and and she developed a real resistance to this stuff. And I think it's so incredibly important because if you get money right, your life is so much easier, so much better, so much freer, so many more options. So anyway, and but Jane kept telling me, no, she's absorbing more than you realize. And I think she was absorbing more than she realized. And so when she got to college and she began seeing how other people struggled with money, how they saw it and how they struggled with it, I think some of those things that she'd absorbed came to the front and she was like, oh, you now, now I understand, you know, now I, I sort of get why he was saying it. And maybe even she appreciated a little bit about why I was pushing it as hard as I did. At least I hope she did. So you have one child, but I have two. And it always annoyed me when someone had the audacity to ask me, you know, which of your children do you like better? But I'm going to do exactly <laughs> the same to you right now. <laughs> If you're reaching out or talking to people and they say, well, which J.L. Collins book should I read first? What's the order? Simple Path, Pathfinders, which comes first? Wow. Well, well, that's a that's a great question. I I think and it is kind of like asking me what my favorite child <laughs> is. But but I, I you know, Simple Path to Wealth is telling you if you really want to do this that's the book that tells you how to do it and so i would say that's where you should start if on the other hand you're not sure that you want to do it if you're not sure even that it's possible that it can be done then maybe starting with pathfinders and reading the stories of people many of whom probably are facing bigger challenges on the path than you are, how they've chosen to do it and the benefits that have come come to them by virtue of deciding to walk down this path. And by the way, it's not just a light switch. It's not like one day you are not financially independent and then you are. It's step by step, like any path, you get closer to your destination, you get stronger. And so maybe if you need some inspiration or you need some convincing that it's possible or that it's worth doing, then maybe Pathfinders is a place to start. Every author not only writes their book, but they're changed by it and often surprised by it. As you're coming to the end of this part of the project, the book is written already and you're in the process of starting to market it. How has this book changed you or what has really surprised you in the process of putting these stories together and 
introducing each of these sections and concluding about what this path means? Well, I'm I'm not sure there's been that much that surprised me because remember I've been hearing these stories for years. And you know, and when we put out the call for them, which I want to say was a year ago, you know, I didn't I, we well, I, there are some modified versions of a couple of the case studies. So there is some of that, but most of these are stories that that I was hearing for the first time, but they were very akin to the stories that I've been hearing across across the years. So there wasn't that much that was surprising. I think to the extent that anything was surprising, it was how many people successfully have followed the path starting at, at, from such a position of disadvantage. You know, I knew some people had done that because I'd heard that, but I, I didn't realize how common that story is. It's common enough that that it almost begins to feel like if you grew up in a more advantageous environment, you are less likely to follow the path, maybe because you're more drawn into that consumerist lifestyle. But the other thing that is striking to me is when I wrote The Simple Path to Wealth, I had no idea how it would be received. And I, I certainly had no idea that would be the tremendous success that it's that's been. I, I knew because I had a blog following, I knew that that my blog readers would embrace it. So I knew it would have some success. But I just wasn't sure. And and uh, in fact, there are many times in the process of writing that book, which took me three years, that I put it down and I walked away from it because I said, this is just way too much work. Writing a book's an enormous amount of drudgery. As you know, you've done it. Uh, it's an enormous amount of drudgery. And I thought, nobody's going to care, you know, and it just doesn't matter. And and I could have I could have done the simple path in, in in a year if I'd been diligent, but it took me three years. And then I'd I'd get dragged back to the writing table, and and so there was a lot of uncertainty around around whether that book was worth the effort. With this book, I don't have any of that uncertainty because I know how the simple path has has been embraced, and and I know that if you're on the path, you're going to want to read Pathfinders. If you're thinking about the path, you're going to want to read Pathfinders, and I know that it's has something important and fun. You know, these are fun stories to read, and they're important. So it has something fun and also something important to say. So I, 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 I didn't have that experience of of stepping away from them and saying this isn't worth the effort. How evergreen do you think these stories are? One decade, two decades, three decades from now, are they still going to be relevant? I think they are as evergreen as the simple path to wealth itself. And that's an interesting question because when I was looking at my email this morning, I, I have an email that from a uh, a friend in the FI community who got a question about whether the simple path to wealth itself was still viable. You know, again, it was published in 2016. I haven't responded to her yet, but when I do, I'm, my answer is going to be, well, yes, it is still viable. I mean, this is a strategy that I laid out for my daughter that expects you to stay invested for decades. So the idea that it, after 
six or seven years is no longer going to be viable is a little bit ludicrous. So the simple path to wealth, and, and I've been thinking about this this morning because of this email, will be viable as long as the United States is a capitalist country, as long as there is a stock market where individuals can invest in, in companies in the United States, and as long as index funds are a tool available to invest in those companies. And I don't see any of those things going away in the near future. So I think that the simple path to wealth will be viable for decades and decades. And by extension, so will Pathfinders. You know, the details will change, like the amount you can invest in your IRA or your 401k. But there will always be challenges getting on the path and following it. And these stories, if if we did, did another version 50 years from now, I think the stories would have a remarkable similarity. The details would be different, but the tenor would be the same. Well, JL, I wanted to thank you for coming on the show today. What rings through throughout our conversation, as well as these amazing hundred stories, is the path is the same, but the journeyers are all different. And that's what I think I really took from your book. When I read these stories, I just see such a varied approach to how people got on the path and stayed on the path. People from all walks of life living in different places with different starting points, right? Some came to it with money to begin with. Others came with almost nothing. And yet all were able to follow the simple path to build a life of more freedom, which obviously is the point. I think it's the point of what the simple path the book was about. I think it's the point of what Pathfinders is about I want to end this episode the way and every episode by asking you what's up next in your life and where people can find you. Obviously, what's up next is the publication of Pathfinders. We are recording this in mid-September, but the actual episode will drop right around October 31st. So how can people get this spectacular book? Well, when it when it drops, it, it'll be available in bookstores. It'll be available on Amazon. I mean, as the saying goes, wherever books are sold. And what's up next for me is is hopefully a, a series of interviews like this because I'm committed to getting the message out So for the next several months. And, and then I think I'm going to relax for a little while. As you well know, writing, writing a book is, is a difficult process. And, uh, and then getting it out into the world takes some effort, too. And if people want to ask you questions or get in contact with you, what is the best way to reach out? Well, the best best way is is on the blog, which is jlcollinsnh.com. And if you go to the blog and you go to the bottom of any post on the blog, you'll see an opportunity to sign up for the weekly newsletter. And that's another way to, you know, in the weekly newsletter, there's a contact button that you can contact and messages can make their way to me. And then I'm on Facebook and Twitter and the book is Pathfinders, Extraordinary Stories of People Like You on the Quest for Financial Independence and How to Join Them. And again, it drops on October 31st. JL Collins, thank you so much for coming again on to Earn and Invest. Doc, thank you again for inviting me. It's, it's always a pleasure hanging out with you, and uh, I'm happy to chat with you anytime. That's a wrap.
Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. Today I want to do something that I don't often do on the podcast. I want to talk about friends, specifically my friend J.L. Collins, who I just interviewed about his fantastic book, Pathfinders. You see, for most of my life, I didn't really have a lot of friends. I remember I didn't make many close relationships in high school or college. And certainly as an adult, I had people come in and out of my life, but I didn't necessarily bond with them. And I'm not talking about family, and I'm not talking about my spouse who I got married when I was young and had kids. It it wasn't that kind of thing. It was more like I didn't have a big group of friends And in fact, I always wondered if there was something wrong with me. I went to medical school, then residency, then I was a practicing physician, and I never really felt comfortable hanging out with doctors. I just didn't feel connected to them. When I tried to hang out in doctor spaces, I just found that I didn't belong. I didn't have similar interests. It never seemed to work, and I didn't understand why. It was only after I started to walk away from medicine, started to pursue an identity outside of it, when I discovered communication and podcasting and writing and public speaking and all these things that kind of lit me up, I would go to conferences and I would meet people who also had those same interests, in this case, a lot of more personal finance conferences. And all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, as a 40-something-year-old adult, I felt like I was making real friends. And this was something that never had happened before for me, and I didn't understand why. Only now do I realize that I wasn't making friends before because I wasn't really secure in the identity that I had procured for myself. This identity of being a doctor didn't fit me very well. It didn't match my insides. And so it was really hard to connect to other people who I came into contact through this identity But now, now as I discovered all these things that I'm passionate about, as I discovered writing and podcasting, I meet people and I feel connected to them right away, which is strange for someone who has not felt like they've had friends for most of their lives. So the last five or six years has been amazing for me. I've created a bunch of friendships, a bunch of relationships with people I feel deeply connected to because we have the same interests We vibe on the same things, and so naturally those friendships have grown and become deeper. It's really one of the benefits of having a podcast is I get to interview all these amazing people, and some of them are my friends. One of them is J.L. Collins. J.L. and I met at a campfire in 2018, and we had some really great conversations, and that turned into a friendship that has been lasting and enduring. And so it's with great pride that I have him back on my podcast to talk about his fantastic book. And one of the beautiful things about having these type of friendships is that when your friends accomplish things, instead of being jealous, you actually feel like you yourself accomplished something. So when I see JL wrote this amazing book and it's going to do amazingly well, I feel a certain amount of pride in just being connected to this wonderful person who's doing this wonderful thing. 
And that's been a real huge epiphany for me as an adult in my 40s to finally found these type of relationships. The reason why I'm bringing it up here is because it has everything to do with things like purpose and identity. It has everything to do with coming to terms with who you are and what drives you. Now, granted, Earn and Invest is a podcast about personal finances, but a lot of times I think it's about much more. It's about trying to be the best people we can be and using money as a tool to create a financial framework to allow us to do that. And a big part of that means finding what your sense of purpose is and coming to terms with the identity that truly fits you. For me, I had to do all that before I could have these deeper relationships, deeper relationships which I get to celebrate every day here on Earn and Invest. I thought the book was excellent. I thought <laughs> I thought the stories were excellent. I thought your introductions were a nice intro into what people were going to talk about. I I especially liked strangely enough and you mentioned this. I really liked the variance of the length of the stories. Like there were a few of those stories which were literally a half a page and it yeah, was really I... nice to jump from like a quickie here's one big point to someone who went in a little more depth and talked kind of more fully. I thought it was a, a very nice transition. And, and what's also really nice about it is it's really easy to put up and put back down again. Like you can put up, read a few stories, put it back down, come back to it. And so I found it a very easy read and, and inspiring. I, I do, you know, it, it amazes me how many different ways there are to follow your basic suggestions, right? Because that's what the simple path to wealth is, right? It's a set of basic suggestions of this is how you're going to succeed. But there are right. just so many ways to do that. And um, the, the stories drive it home. You know, I, I, I agree with all of those, all of those points. And it's, it's, that's, I mean, that's how I like it too. I mean, I, I like having really short stories to, to jump into and, and uh, to break up the longer and not that I don't like longer ones, but it breaks it up kind of nicely. And, and uh, you, it is a book that, you know, it's easy to, to go in and out of as, as the amount of time you have dictates. And, uh, you know, as you know, that uh, when you put all, all this work into a book and you just, you, you know, you, you don't know until it's it's out there. But I, I everybody I talk to has had the chance to read it come back with very positive comments like like you have and so i i feel very very confident about it i i think it's i think it's a great uh it's a great read you know what I, people yeah. don't follow the path and i think the dangerous thing is that once you've read this book um you can no longer say it's not possible yeah yeah you can only you can only say i choose not to do it yeah. You know what I love about this? And I, I hope you end up marketing it a little bit in this manner. Like, I think the simple path to wealth is great for someone who's already found this and kind of already bought in. I think Pathfinders is for everybody else. Like, I think they should go to Pathfinders first. Like anyone who's on the fence or doesn't believe it could work or says, well, I love this idea of being financially free, but eh, I don't know if this is really something that's going to happen or something for me. Like, 
I think those people should go to Pathfinders first. I think they'll end up at the Simple Path of Wealth afterwards. Um, but those people will connect with Pathfinders in a way that they wouldn't have allowed themselves to connect with Simple Path to Wealth because they just didn't believe it yet. You know, I, I think that's a great point. And one of the things that's exciting about doing this through Harriman is that they do have all these outlets, yeah. you know, the airports and bookstores and things that I never had for the Simple Path to Wealth. And so I am hoping that, you know, I'm kind of assuming that a lot of people who've read The Simple Path to Wealth will want to read this for obvious reasons. But I am hoping that a lot of people who are outside the FI community will stumble on this book, read it, and and be intrigued and be drawn in. Um, so, yeah, I think you're, you're exactly right. And that's why when you ask the question, which I never thought of, but it's a great question, is which book comes first yeah Yeah. you know either either one kind of depends on on the person right so as you say for somebody who's already bought into the fi idea then yeah the path path is probably great but for someone who's new to the idea or maybe has never had any frame of reference for it uh you know pathfinders i think is a wonderful fun entertaining introduction so and it's also i mean the other side is people who've already reached financial independence it could also be a little bit of a victory lap so it's kind of a fun read once you've gotten to financial independence because then it's like oh yeah these are my people this is the kind of stuff we do so i think it it reaches reaches all those groups um this is a little section of the book endgame talks about exactly that's the victory lap yeah the victory lap yeah Tech moves fast, so keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts.